Okay, guys, welcome back to a special episode of The Contributor Show. This episode is special because we have a special guest today. We have a CEO of the first truly decentralized, interest-free crypto lending protocol, Liquid Loans. If you want to know how to use crypto to borrow money interest-free and how to use your crypto to generate passive income, stay tuned. This is what you're going to learn today, what is Liquid Loans, how you can use use it for your prosperity and for your investments. This is just mind-blowing, guys, what you're going to learn today. So we have a special guest. Let's welcome Christian Crazy Crypto. Hi, Christian. Thanks so much for coming on the Contributor Show. Привет, Victor. I, I've, <laughs> Thank you, I've only got two words on now. I think one is hello and the other one is goodbye. <laughs> so, so at least let me practice some of those. those right, uh, right, right. <laughs> But thank you, thank you very much for having me on on your channel. Really wonderful. Thanks for coming. I know how you guys busy because you just launched like a couple of weeks ago. I think this protocol and it's uh, been waiting for uh, probably more than a year because the Pulse Chain just new blockchain and uh, you created the first this lending protocol for this uh, wonderful blockchain. So a lot of our viewers they not familiar what is Pulse Chain, what is Liquid Loans. So let's just start from the basics. So what is liquid loans? What does it do? Why people need to know about that? It's a good question. I think primarily that one of the reasons that, as you know, the other co-founder, Scottish Dave and I sort of had invested or looked at Pulse Chain as a possible investment. And fundamentally, the questions that we were asking ourselves at the time was, how do we extract value without having to sell? And so that was the fundamental thing that sort of kept capturing my attention. And it was mostly because typically in crypto, as you know, most people presume that the only way that they can extract value is to actually sell the crypto, the underlying crypto. And as you know, there's plenty of examples where people have acquired Bitcoin very early and they've acquired it at a very low price and they have felt that the only way that they could extract value was to sell it. And for a lot of those early uh, investors in Bitcoin, they would probably be kicking themselves now given how much that particular token has appreciated over time. So fundamentally, our premise was we want to be able to extract value without ever having to sell. So that was the underlying premise. So you still have to have an asset that you can actually use to borrow against. So what is Liquid Loans? Liquid Loans facilitates people taking at this point their pulse uh, tokens that they have, using that as the underlying collateral, and then borrowing against that collateral. Now, we, we would always advocate you'd never want to borrow at a too high a rate because you're then at potentially you, you'd run the risk of being liquidated, which basically means um, if you look at it in real world, world examples, it would be like borrowing to buy shares, for example. If your shares fall below a certain threshold, usually the borrowing entity asks you to either pay out the difference or to top up in some way. Um, and if you don't, then typically they'll sell the shares on you. So it's, it's the same, it's the leverage sort of situation that can occur. Uh, we would never advocate to, to run too close to the line. We'd always suggest, look, have more collateral and borrow in a reasonable way to do the things that you want to do. Um, so that was the first premise. The other premise that people sometimes overlook is that if you sell any crypto and you actually make a gain, for a lot of jurisdictions, and we can't we can't vouch for every jurisdiction, for a lot of jurisdictions, there's a, a taxable event that occurs. So in other words, whatever gains that you've made on that crypto for, for some jurisdictions, you'll be taxed on those gains. That doesn't happen when you borrow. And the example would be for, you know, if you were borrowing to buy a car and you're using your house as collateral, then 
the money that you draw down is not taxable in, in your hands. It's just borrowings against the asset that you own. It's the same principle that applies here. So not only is it not selling something that potentially could be going up in value, but also by extracting value in the way that we're suggesting, you're also potentially removing the risk of having a taxable event occur. I see. So people, instead of selling uh, crypto and then regretting in the future, oh gosh, right now it's double price, like with Bitcoin or whatever, like that guy who bought pizza for Bitcoin and right now it's $650 million worth of Bitcoin. <laughs> he paid for very, very pizza. pizza. <laughs> Pizzas, yeah. And this is, this is like the most expensive pizza in the world. There's a pizza day because of that. Wonderful. Besides the borrowing against the crypto, how else they are regular? Joe like me can make money because I check the website. There are something with like you can provide your crypto not just to borrow but issue like a special uh, tokens, right? Uh, liquid loans have some special tokens. So people who doesn't want to borrow, they can generate somehow money from, from liquid loans. So how does this work? That's a good question. So this is and the other thing that's really important to understand here is this is a community protocol, right? So it's the community that actually helps to promote and essentially build the protocol. Now, how can someone that maybe they're thinking, well, look, I don't necessarily want to borrow at this point, but I'd like to actually generate some yields, so get some return from using the protocol. There is a couple of ways you can do that. You, you might decide to perhaps create a vault, which is effectively you're putting your collateral into a vault, you know, having a fairly high collateral ratio, so you're not at risk of being liquidated, and you're basically minting the stable coin that is the foundation of the protocol. If you then take that stable coin, there's a couple of options for you. One thing you could do is provide more stability to the system. So what does that mean? You basically take your USDL and you stake it, right? So you're basing it, basically providing it back to the community for those that would like to, to use that. By doing that, there's two things that will occur. You'll be receiving any liquidations that may occur. You'll receive a portion of the pulse relative to the size of your stake in that particular staking pool. And the other thing that will happen is that there's a a loan token issuance. Now, that's that's a token that exists on liquid loans. It's the yield-bearing token, but primarily you'll be receiving those tokens by providing stability to the system. So that's that's one way that you can generate yield. Currently, I think the, the calculation, something like 4% is what the return is or thereabouts, but I do want to sort of point something out. The calculations that are currently shown on the DAP um, we need to sort of explain them a little bit more because whilst we're saying that they're APRs, they're actually not. They're daily returns, right? So if people want to really understand, well, what's the real return um, projected over a year? We, we sort of at the time decided, you know what, we want to just provide the daily returns initially because it fluctuates too much, right? It'll fluctuate a fair bit over time. And what we have or what we're currently displaying is what's called a rolling average. So as every day passes, the averages get sort of accumulating over time. So you're going to start to see a different sort of percentage over a period of time. But if somebody wanted to have a look at any of the APRs that we present, just multiply them by 365 days and you'll get a sense of what the uh, what the real returns are over a period of a year. So that's one thing I did want to clarify. So coming back to your question, how do people make money? Well, one way is to do exactly what I've just explained and that's provide stability to the system. The other would be if you have loan token, that you can actually take the loan token and place that into what's called the staking pool. Now, unlike a lot of other native tokens for these type of protocols, you don't actually get paid in the token itself. 
So in other words, you're taking a loan token and you're getting yield, but the yield that you're getting is getting paid to you in the form of uh, USDL, which is the stable coin, but also in the form of Pulse. Now, how do those come, two things come about? They come about from people that actually take a loan initially. Um, whilst there's no interest on any of these loans, there's an initiation fee, right? So when you first take out a loan, um, usually it varies, but typically it's about half a percent that you're going to be paying. That half a percent that you pay on the loan gets transferred to the people that are staking in the staking pool so and shared amongst those people. The other fee that comes in is from redemptions. So redemption is a little bit trickier. It's not A redemption isn't repaying the loan. A redemption is someone saying, hey, listen, I'd like to redeem some pulse. I'm going to, to return some USDL and I'll get some pulse back. And people may want to do that because uh, the native token, the USDL uh, stablecoin, may fluctuate in value. And sometimes there's an opportunity to make some gains based on whether or not the USDL is below a dollar or above a dollar. Uh, you may decide to redeem. And when that does happen, typically there's an opportunity for someone to actually receive a little bit more pulse than, than what they would normally receive. Um, and the process of doing that basically also repegs the USDL back to a dollar. So I know that's a little bit complicated, but there is there is a process that occurs called a redemption. Yeah. So what is that. redemption again? I'm trying to understand what. Yeah. Okay. So the simplest way is what you're wanting to do is you want to redeem your pulse, right? So it's not repaying your loan, but you may have some USDL and you think, you know what, I'd like to, to obtain some pulse. Now, why might you want to do that? Well, you might want to do that, for example, if the value of USDL might be down to say 94, 95 to a dollar. By doing that, you're actually, by redeeming Pulse, you're getting Pulse at a discount effectively, right? And the process is that you're, you're obtaining Pulse at a discount. And the process of doing that is you, you retain the Pulse but in, in returning the USDL, the USDL is getting burnt. And the fact that it's being burnt, it pushes the price of USDL back up. So potentially there's an opportunity for you to obtain Pulse at a discount. And that's what the redemption mechanism is intended to do, is to provide the opportunity for people to obtain Pulse at a discount, but at the same time, repeg the USDL token back to a dollar, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, there is uh, other decentralized crypto lending protocols, especially for Ethereum popular like Aave and uh, Compound, right? So what makes a liquid loan stand out to the users who use those protocols so they just stop using Aave and Compound and they should move their crypto to liquid loans? So what exactly the sales point for them? Why you should they should do? I think there's, there's a couple of differences. One is, I think the primary one, for me at least, is liquid loans is a lot more capital capital efficient. So what does that mean? It basically means if you want to borrow, say, for example, $1,000 with liquid loans, the minimum collateral that you would have to have is $1,100. Whereas with other protocols like Aave and, and Compound, they expect a much higher amount that you'd have to provide as collateral to obtain that $1,000. So you might be looking at, I don't know, maybe $1,500 or thereabouts with Aave and Compound compared with uh, $1,100 with um, liquid loans. The mechanisms that they use is different and the mechanism for, you know, whilst they're both decentralized, their mechanisms are based on um, an algorithm, which is also means that for those borrowings, people typically have to pay an interest. So there's an interest payment that's required, whether you're a borrower or by the same token, if you're a lender, you're also receiving interest. But those, those protocols operate differently, whereas ours is pu purely based on, here's the collateral, maintain that collateral above 110%. 
and you can continue to borrow at that at that capacity. Um, so with all of these type of lending platforms, there's also a risk. Um, I think for you know, and I, it's just unfortunate, but I, I'm pretty sure that both Aave and Compound have been compromised. I think Aave just recently had uh, a particular problem. Um, it was to do with basically um, reminting tokens, and ultimately that compromised that particular protocol. I think that's been remedied now. I think Compound has, has also had some issues in the past. Um, now, having said that, you've got to remember liquid loans isn't where we're basically a fork of the liquidity project that has been running on ethereum for quite some time and the difference is that we're running natively on pulse chain and in many respects i actually think i'm not aware of any issue that's occurred with liquidity and it's a very solid stable coin um the other thing that we've realized victor is that because you know i think i've explained um to you in the past that typically on pulse chain there wasn't a lot of infrastructure so some of the things that sort of i wouldn't say delayed us but it, it meant that we had to build some extra features where we obviously needed an Oracle service to provide a price feed. Uh, so we've launched Fetch on Pulse Chain to provide that. And in addition to that, even simple things like Gnosis Safe, which is a multi-seek, um, we needed to have a multi-seek for some of the contracts. And we've forked Gnosis, which was quite a challenge, um, but we've been able to deploy that on Pulse Chain and it's called Pulse Chain Safe. So those two things we've had to build in addition to what we were doing with Liquid Loans. and um, it does, when you're having to do that, there's a hell of a lot more work required. And, you know, and, and unfortunately for us, whilst Liquid Loans was ready, we needed to make sure that these other things were robust before we could deploy. I see. Yeah. So just for our viewers, so what is Oracle? I'm trying to explain uh, in a simple way. Oracle, it's uh, the software which uh, connect blockchain with not blockchain world. For example, Chase Bank, you want to send information to Chase Bank or from Chase Bank to, for example, Pulse Chain. You need some something that can communicate like a bridge between real world and blockchain world. So this is what is Oracle called Oracle. So it's not company Oracle because it's the same name. People can get confused. And uh, well, you said multi-seek. So why do we need multi-seek? What is this for? Uh, for multi-seek, some of the some of the contracts at deployment. So, for example, there's a, a community contract that you know at certain times we'll end up using. There's also a team lockup contract. So that our team, for example, um, whilst there's an allocation of uh, loan tokens to the team, they're locked up for a period of 12 months. So in order for us to be able to release those tokens, the multi-seeks required. So that there's a number of signatories required before those tokens can be released. Um, it just minimizes any risk for the rest of the community and also for the individuals. Got it. So in multi-seq, we'll allow to do like an escrow, for example, different contracts when required two signatures that the deal kind of done and somebody get loaned because you understand what I'm saying, right? So it will be possible to do with multi-seq. Gotcha. So one of the main difference what I see and I, I really don't understand how it works. So you don't have any interest. So I just put 200 worth of dollars worth of uh, PLS for liquidation of my contract, 0.5%, like a upfront fee, something like interest. And that's it. So how the protocol makes money if you don't have any interest rate? This is like disruption on the whole lending kind of market. How the protocol makes money? I must admit, 
then that was the when I looked at uh, liquidity initially, that was the first thing that caught my attention was how on earth do they make money? Well, to be honest, because it's a community protocol, when you borrow, there is that fee, right? So it's that fee that gets transferred to the people that are providing uh, the loan in the staking pool. So so effectively, those fees are what generates interest in the protocol. And people make money by staking the loan token. What people don't always appreciate is that unlike a lot of other staking mechanisms that you're probably familiar with, you're not getting paid in the token that you're using to stake. So what does that mean? It means that you're not selling that token and putting downward pressure on the price of the token. You're actually receiving returns in Pulse and in the stable coin itself. So they're the two tokens that you receive as payment for basically staking the loan token. That's how you make money from the loan token itself. It's basically staking rewards that are paid in those two mechanisms. But how does the system generate? It's community system. So the more people that are actually borrowing and taking out vaults, that generates fees for the community. And more importantly, there's also the redemptions. So when redemptions start to happen, there'll be a fee that occurs there. That also gets transferred to people that stake their loan token. I see. So it's through redemption and through the staking and through the initial commission, even though it's not like a monthly interest rate, like a traditional loan, but... I see it just, wow, that's genius. So question about, uh, so let's play scenario. I put my money, I put my PLS, I borrowed money and the price going PLS down. So I need to constantly, you mean, I need to constantly watch uh, the collateral ratio and there is a mechanism I can put more pulse tokens to keep this collateral. How does it work? Yeah, so, so basically once you open your vault, you determine what the collateral ratio is that you'd like to have. Now, let's just say, for, for example, the price of Pulse goes down, then as your collateral ratio drops, the riskier vaults, for example, anything below 150% collateral ratio, they are generally considered at risk. When you get below 110%, you automatically get liquidated or the community will more than likely liquidate that vault and effectively your, your borrowings paid out, but you also lose the pulse. So in this situation, you need to be monitoring the price of pulse. Now, we would never recommend that you would have collateral ratios very low. Some people may opt to do that for different reasons, um, but we would suggest a higher level of collateral. Um, the other thing to bear in mind is... Um, you know, you've probably heard this commentary a few times that tokens can actually drop in price 85%, 90%. That can happen. It, and it does happen, but it never happens in one day, Victor. Right? So, so typically over a period of time, it happens. So if you're like me, and I tend to watch the markets, not every hour of the day, but I'll watch it maybe once or twice in the day, I start to get a sense of what's happening. And so long as I know that typically, and I think we've done some analysis, but the price of Pulse over a... Um, 30-minute period has never dropped more than 30% at any one time in the last three or four months. Initially, it did, but in the last three or four months, it's been relatively stable. So you're not seeing those 85 to 90% drops in one day. But if you're mindful of, hey, you know what, it could drop 30% in a day, maybe I need to set my collateral ratio high enough so that if that were to happen, 
at least I'm protected. And then you can adjust your position afterwards. So so that's, to me, the smarter way to do it. Got it. And the opposite scenario. For example, I put uh, today's one price and I put and then price started going up. And let's say the price of Pulse, Pulse Chain token went up like 100%. Is there any way I can withdraw and reduce the amount of collateral because the total dollar value will be right now still enough to keep it up? So, so the easiest way of doing that would just be one way would be to to potentially redeem. The other way would be to actually repay some of your, your debt. So there is an option for you to repay um, the amounts that you've borrowed. So you would have to place the US deal back into the vault. Effectively, you could then redeem um, through that mechanism some of the pulse that you've locked up in the vault itself. I think in that situation, we're not likely to see many people repay. <laughs> I think if anything, if the price goes up, there's a very good chance that people might extend uh, their borrowing so that they're, ma- they're, they're maintaining their collection lateral ratio yeah if that makes sense so i can just put pull pools from my vault right i need to still return like uh usdl to get my pulse there is no option uh, let's say i have 1 million pulse chain tokens right and the price went up i can just withdraw half of it if i want there is no way like this i need to return usdl right that's exactly right so so you you can't just pull it out without returning what you borrowed basically Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. I see. Yeah, just so current price of loan token right now zero four zeros one. So why do I need loan token, and why do we think this is price will go up eventually? So what yeah. kind of events and what is the utility of the loan token? Why the price will go up? Yeah, I think that so a couple of things to bear in mind. The loan token is, and when we sort of started communicating about liquid loans, one of the taglines that we've always had is. Uh, never selling. And people presume that what we meant was we're never selling pulse. But what we really meant was we're never selling pulse, but we're never selling loan. And the reason being is it's the high yield bearing token. Now, what does that really mean at the end of the day? I mentioned earlier that you can stake the loan token and you're receiving USDL and pulse in the form of uh, staking rewards. You're not receiving loans. So there's no downward pressure on the loan token. So that's one difference to a lot of other staking pool mechanisms. Um, The other is that when the tokens are issued, there is a maximum supply and effectively uh, the community uh, as part of the initial launch, uh, 25% of that supply was provided. Um, Now, not everyone elected to receive their tokens on day one. Uh, Many people decided, hey, we're going to delay our gratification here. We're not going to receive our tokens till somewhere down the track. So what does that mean? It means that there's a limited supply of loan token at the moment. And what does that also mean is it means that there's a lot less loan token able to go into the staking pool. Now, I know that the returns that are are demonstrated on the uh, staking pool APR from all accounts, you'd say, well, 0.3 seems quite low. But that's the daily return. So if people want to project over a 12-month period, you only need to multiply that number by 365 to get a sense of what the real return is at the moment. So the returns are quite high, but the the figure that's shown there at the moment, it technically isn't an APR because it's not an annualised figure. It's the daily return. We'll probably make a change to that so it becomes clearer. But the returns are really high. Now, if the returns are that high and you're getting paid in USDL and Pulse, there's people want to get a hold of the loan token because the returns are quite healthy. And as a consequence of that, there'll be more people wanting to 
acquire loan. Given that it's a fairly thin liquidity pool at the moment, we're expecting that to grow over time. Um, We're anticipating that once people start to learn a bit more about the protocol and actually see some of the returns that are available through the staking pool, there'll be more of an appetite to acquire the loan token. So are you saying that those numbers, 0.3% return, this is daily return, it's not APR? Yeah, it's not. Technically, it's not the APR. So to get an APR, just multiply it by 365 and that'll give you a sense of I see, because this is, was my question. Why would I pull my money from PulseX, from liquidity pool, when I can generate like 50% APR, right? And put in something that produce only 0.3%. And uh, the second uh, option, you would generate like 4.6%, right? So this is 4.6%. This is daily too. That's right. That's exactly right. So it's a very, it's Guys, a very high need- return at the moment. So, so we, need to make some, to- we need to make some changes there. Yeah, that's confusing. I was like, it doesn't make sense. It's like too low. It's like in the bank, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like it's okay. So dear viewers, yeah. So the numbers you need to times 365, those which you see on uh, liquidity loans. And we will show the website during the post-production so you can guys see what we're talking about. So one more question for you. So you created this protocol for Pulse Chain, uh blockchain, right? Can be the same approach used for like a zero interest lending for Bitcoin, for example? Yeah, look, it's obviously we've developed this primarily for Pulse Chain. Um, We do have aspirations of expanding onto other chains. Um, It's early days for us and and we obviously have a vested interest in making sure that everything works smoothly on Pulse Chain. But we have investigated how we might be able to do this for Bitcoin. Um, There's a number of options available. Um, some are a lot more technical than others, but I think fundamentally we're, we believe in, I think the, the having a stable coin that's fully backed by a specific crypto in its simplest form is the best form of collateral, right? So if we had something like Bitcoin and we were able to do that on Bitcoin, I think that would be, that would be groundbreaking. Um, a lot of the times, I think there are mechanisms to enable you to effectively wrap Bitcoin onto Ethereum and use that mechanism. Um, we're not a big fan of that. We'd much prefer to do it natively, um, but it is something that we've explored and we are exploring. Um, but obviously, all of our attention at the moment is very much on Pulse Chain. Yeah, on Pulse Chain. Yeah, because I was thinking, yeah, if it's even possible, because Bitcoin maybe through the second layer or something, it's not Ethereum network. It's yeah, th- more th- complicated. There are, you don't. Yeah, there are there are ways to do it, and we are exploring those ways. But some of them you you just wouldn't expect, and it's just one particular way that we're exploring at the moment that that could be a very good option for people that have Bitcoin. Interesting, interesting. Okay, thank you so much, Christian, for all this uh, information. Uh, dear viewers, if you have any questions, I will provide all the links in the description so you can uh, join the Telegram for liquidity loans and ask the, the question and community and uh, a lot of channels, YouTube channel as well. Thank you so much for coming on the Contributor Show. Victor, das <laughs> Thank you.